And to be able to now look from the other side of the table and now looking at brands from a place of, do they meet our criteria around what matters to us as an enterprise that is grounded in diversity and equity inclusion, because the bar is now higher than ever. We want the authenticity to be clear, real, and not about writing a check or checking a box, but that they are living, eating, and breathing their commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion. So, It's not grounded in arrogance or cocky. It's who we are. This is the CMO and Joe podcast. We interview today's most inspiring chief marketing officers and savvy marketers of lucrative direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies, bringing you insightful stories and tips on marketing, sales, branding, and much more. We bring you the best lessons from the best. Let's get started with your host, Joe Momo. And we are live on the podcast, Robin. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Um, I'm glad that you're on the podcast. I'm super excited. You're obviously the dual founder of The Mix and also Titanium. You're such a dynamic individual with um, values with progression and diversity, but before we get into all of that, perhaps give us a little backstory on who Robin is, kind of your origin story, chapter one. Well, do we have all day? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess the, the long and short of it is um, I, I was always um, the girl that like saw the opening. It was really never having a pr- prescriptive path. It was more um, just going for it because it felt right. Uh, I found myself in the beginning working in corporate America, which, you know, I am so not that girl. But um, just given that my uh, DNA has always been about people and relationships and building from the ground up, um, corporate America was a strange place for me. you know, it's everybody's like in suits and ties and there's a lot of uh, politics and attitude that goes along with being in a corporation. And when you're a people person, you could break down any wall. I don't care what level you're at. And when you're your authentic self on top of that, you just find that people let their guard down and then they just connect with you in a human level. And and so I started at Citibank like um, at a very early age and coming in just really not knowing like what it was like to work in marketing at a Fortune 500 brand. But, you know, I'm not afraid to not know or ask for help. And, you know, the person next to me, I'm like, I don't know, like, have you ever seen like a project plan like this? And they would then just add and build. And before you know it, I'm like, I have my footing. I got this. It's like year one, year four, year eight, year 10. And over those 10 years um, of my responsibilities was hiring agencies to execute uh, direct direct mail programs, creative campaigns, what have you. And that experience had me see that corporations um, feel the need to work with large scale agencies. 
I don't know why there's a safety net. There's the holding companies that are out there. The need for if it doesn't work with one, there's like six others behind it. So the idea of risk and compliance, but big didn't always mean better. And so um, I would always ask a lot of questions, right? Because I was young. I didn't know. And after a while, I realized that I was doing a lot of the work. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. We're paying these people like to do this work and I'm doing the work. I'm like, what is up with that? And, you know, you poke holes at things. And before you know it, you know, this starts to become like a theme or a trend. And everybody's saying, you know, not for nothing, but on my project, I had similar people or a similar team. And, you know, I wrote the brief or, you know, I'm doing the project plan or the recap notes. And that became like how it was. I'm not saying that it's right or wrong. It's not a judgment, but in my mind, it just had me identify an opportunity around what was next. Also, um, they were in a place where they were relocating off the island of Manhattan. And um, I wound up in that moment saying, I don't know, like, I don't want to really go to Long Island City. It wasn't developed or even like, close to being what it is now, however many years later. And all of a sudden I saw it as a moment, like, I don't know, maybe it's time to figure out what's next. And this idea of, I don't know, maybe I'm good. I should open up my own agency. And what does that look like? And what could that be? And not knowing whether it was the right path, the wrong path, but more, again, just around seeing this opening. And before you know it, here's me in my apartment starting this little agency called The Mix, me, myself, and my phone. And at that time, there was no Apple products or technology or computer systems, right? So I'm like, all right. Here I go, I'm opening up my office and it was more like figuring out how to open a business, not knowing that you need an employee identification number, like what it's like to like establish it. And, but it was all about networking and like having um, that inner circle of people that you could call on, that you trust, that would say, you know what, I don't do that, but I know somebody that does call Adam or call Arthur or call Mark. And a lot of those people are with me still now. And this goes back now, since I started the mix in my apartment, we are now coming up on our 25 year anniversary. So it's been a long run and a great journey with filled with action-packed learnings and insights and just watching the world unfold in the agency world of then to today to the future. So it's been incredible moving from corporate America into discovering my entrepreneurial self and then, you know, being um, an entrepreneur that has her own marketing agency. It's incredible. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Definitely incredible. Um, you mentioned moving from corporate to your own agency. Um, we have a lot of entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs listening. What was, what was kind of that aha moment or even that moment you decided to, you know what, I'm going to do it myself and start my own thing. How was that kind of transition like for you? Well, 
I think it's about having a good inner circle of friends, um, people that are your advocates and ambassadors. And so, you know, a couple girls around the table having a couple glasses of wine and, you know, we're just talking about like what our careers look like and our paths forward. And, you know, I'm not one to be a complainer about things, but I'd say that, um, when there's an opening and a light and karma and people start riffing on an idea, well, you know, you could do this, Rob, like you could open up your own place and, you know, we could come up with a name and a brand. And I'm like, I could, right. And all these people that I know from all these years of being in the same job, like they could actually become my network. Like, God, it really doesn't seem to be that hard. Like just the mechanics of it or the overcoming the fear that I don't know how to do it, but I could totally do it. And and so this, the inner circle kind of like pushing you over, the brainstorming of the name and the idea, like what it was going to be and what it was going to be called. It was like kind of like the fun part. And then it's about like your gut instinct. Like, is this something that I even want to do? So I, I don't think it's ever like black or white. I think, you know, if you have a hunch or a, a moment of, hmm, this could be fun or this could be unique or interesting. I think you have to trust yourself and know to know that life's short and you don't get these kind of aha moments, if you will, too often that you owe it to yourself to kind of pursue whatever that thought is. And you know, corporate America is not going anywhere. So if it doesn't work, you could always go back. Right. And this is like a moment where you could just take it and run. And, and pretty much that's how I did it. Absolutely. No, I love that, Robin. I think, yeah, like you mentioned, you only get a few aha moments in life and if you don't uh, chase them, you're going to regret it at the end of your life. So um, just really go for it. And yeah, you, corporate's always there for you. If you, if you need to go back and <laughs> fall back, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, you mentioned you've been in business now 20 plus years. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure your perspective on how the industry has changed is uh, quite remarkable. Uh, maybe how has the industry changed uh, from your perspective? Yeah. Well, I'd say from, you know, if we were going to look at moments in time. So I uh, started the mix in 1996. And then if I look at um, like the first da economic downturn in 2008, and what that was like in the world and the fear that went along with it. Right. Cause at that point I was all, already 10 years old and we were on an uptick and I would, my, um, I would say my client base was really grounded in financial and professional services companies. So at that moment in time, it was like a little bit of a nerve wracking moment, but also an opportunity to diversify the portfolio and start to look at other industries, which I don't know that I would have done that then if I, this, this um, economic downturn didn't happen. Also, because of I was at City for 10 years back then, and I think this is one of the most interesting uh, ways around building a network. Back then, what was trending was everybody took a career for two years at a job. They would come 
to City for two, then they would go to Amex for two, they would go to Merrill Lynch for two, and they would go to Chase for two. And because I was there for so long and people rotated in and out, they had went on to other industries. And so at that time when that that economic downturn was happening, I did have friends in other places and spaces. I didn't know it then that it was going to matter 10 years later, but oh, it did matter. And so I found myself then reaching out to the real estate community and the entertainment community. And all of a sudden we were evolving our brand about who we were, right? Because the mix was always grounded in love, in partnership, in diversity and inclusion, and around doing the right things for clients and bringing a superior creative product to the market. And I used to have a lot, and the name and the lot taglines that went with the brand evolved as the world evolved. But at that time, in like 2008, 9, 10, we started to talk about um, it's all in the mix. It's the right mix. It didn't matter what category or industry. Like we had the what you need in order to like take on your challenges and pain points in a way that nobody would have this kind of versatile background and depth of experience. So it made it really fun for the client because we there was nothing like us out here and we were always coming from a, a place of positive energy and karma and it became like the thing that they kept coming back for was we could always do the work right but they needed that spike of energy like to transcend because they were afraid in their job and they were going through whatever they were going through in the industry and so we were there's always these moments where we're in this together and you're never alone and i always felt the same about my clients and they felt the same about us so that's like from 1996 to 2008-10 and then if we look out another decade Oh my God, technology, um, social media, um, the need for different kinds of services. And, you know, I think it's as an entrepreneur, you want to be everything to everybody, right? Like that chameleon, like always changing and adapting and responding to what somebody is looking for, what they want or need. And I would say clients always need a trusted partner and advisor, right? Like they need somebody that they could count on. And then because we came from like, kind of like this adaptive way of doing things, we started offering these other services, right? I would find these strategic partners. I would bring them in. We would do it under the mix. And I would also like, well, I really want to underline that that's what everybody was doing in, in the, the these years from 2010 to 2020. Everybody was evolving who they were as an entity. It wasn't any more advertising, but it was integrated marketing and communications, right? So this idea about redefining what full service is became front and center we started to be at the front of that conversation, not behind it, like trying to catch up to it. And there was the gift of coming from corporate. So understanding how that thing 
operates and runs and functions and adapts. And then as a small agency coming into its own right after 10 years, you're on a different playing field. Understanding the need for more services became like something that we have to figure out. And um, I, in 2012, 13, I would say the idea of coming into opportunities and being eliminated because we were too small. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, too small? Like what? Because our revenue requirements or we're only 20 people? Like what? Like, what does that mean? We're too small. And I learned, right? Because what do I know, right? Is that in order to go after a certain amount of large scale RFPs, your top line revenue has to be, there's like an algorithm for how many times the size of revenue has to be in lockstep with the overarching ask from the brand. Now, I don't know any of this because, you know, I'm a small shop, but I learned quickly that one being eliminated time, second time, third time, getting, you know, not making through the first cup by far, not because of the quality of our RFP response or the kind of strategic thinking we brought or the creative ideas, but that we just didn't meet the procurement criteria. And this was a wake up moment along this little journey of mine. So if I may, like just say that it became a moment where just like when I started the mix, I needed something else. And so I had it like that next aha moment that we either had to scale up the company around these other services. Cause it's so much to manage when you're a small company and you're bringing in a digital agency and a this and a that. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this either, but I needed those offerings as a part of our offering, right? So the strategy and creative as the overarching, and then you, it became the pull through. We needed digital. We needed social. We needed PR. We needed, and I'm like, we just couldn't do it. So we came up with an idea and I mean it purely an idea. Like I'm sitting here, you and me was this idea of, building something unique and different. And we were very clear about who our competition was, right? We were in an arrival moment, like taking it all in, like we're getting turned away because we're small. We have all these other strategic alliances because of our relationships and, you know, being a a thoughtful partner both ways. And is it possible that we could take these partners of ours and build an enterprise where we all lived underneath this umbrella. Now, it might sound like fast forward and it might sound like the changing of the tide, but there are just a few holding companies out there, whether it's Publicis, IPG, Omnicom, MDC, there's Havas, there's Dentsu, but like these holding companies have it in lockdown around the majority of the fortune 2000 brands. And I'm thinking, well, if we're going to like vision out, like what matters to people, 
is it possible that we create something of like-minded entrepreneurs that are independent, that maintained their independence because of our culture, our DNA, and who we've become as boutique businesses, but we came together because as a total market solution, we have something fresh and innovative to bring. And so as we're kind of thinking through what the components of the makeup of the criteria of these partners, we start to like look at what is trending in the world around purpose, around impact, around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I'm like, oh, yes. I'm like, let's build a company that's made up of certified minority owned and operated companies because from a place of value and like-mindedness, it's a common denominator that we're all CEOs, entrepreneurs, and that we are all certified minority owned and everybody could stay in their lane. And it's purely an idea, right? Like, I don't know if this works and could we come together under one umbrella? Sounds like an amazing idea. I don't know. Like, does that thing even exist? Like, get me some reference material on somebody that's done this. And the truth of the matter was, there was nobody that has done this. So there's no um, best practice or subject matter expert or somebody to call to say, how do you do it? It was purely just kind of putting something out there and seeing if it worked. And so... Here we are in 2014 launching an enterprise called Titanium Worldwide, made up of 23 agencies in marketing, media, and comms that have come together as one voice, as a one-stop shop for everything a brand could need. And who we are is we are a certified minority enterprise-wide solution where At that moment, I have to say six years ago now, right? So now I have two companies, but six, and by the way, the mix is the strategic creative arm of Titanium. So it was designed also as a means for growth for the mix because we needed these other services. So I don't want to overstep that. It's just not an idea for an idea's sake. And I, and then the, the, the idea like that we could actually compete against the holding companies, like who are we? (laughs) (laughs) But you put entrepreneurs in a room and all of a sudden, like everything is possible. And so it's been like extraordinary. And, you know, if I would have had a crystal ball right now in this moment with COVID and George Floyd, I, I couldn't have asked for moments to happen that cause people to reset and pause. And like, it sounds like a perfect like little story arc, right? It's not like this is scripted. This is like actually how it happened. And to be able to now look from the other side of the table and now looking at brands from a place of, do they meet our criteria around what matters to us as an enterprise that is grounded in diversity and equity inclusion. And does that brand fit our criteria? Because the bar is now higher than ever. We want the authenticity to be clear, 
real and not about writing a check or checking a box, but that they are living, eating, and breathing their commitment to diversity, equity, inclusion. So it's not grounded in arrogance or cocky. It's who we are. And we didn't know back then what we know now today. And I would say there's a little bit of a light shining on us because we were so far ahead of ourselves around this idea that um, we couldn't have predicted like what the the pathway for success would have been, but we are now living, eating, and breathing it. So we're in a very um, important moment in our time, and it's really awesome to be a part of what's happening. Absolutely. That's, that's amazing, Robin. I know off here we talked about having some of the founders and CEOs of Titanium on the podcast. I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to yes. chatting with them. <laughs> yeah, well, I just think, like, you know, it's one thing to be the visionary of an idea and like, how did we come to be and what is the story arc around how we got here? But actually talking to the members, I think is going to kind of round out um, not only like what it's like to realize a, a vision, but what it's like to want to be a part of something bigger that's, more meaningful and purposeful and this idea about bold alone brilliant together it's like it's the cornerstone for who we are and where we're going and i'm excited for you to meet them as well absolutely i'm i'm really excited i think your guys values and um just progressive identity is something that's really needed um but i want to touch on you mentioned that you're such a visionary um, entrepreneur. I'm just curious, what's what's Robin's superpower? How 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 do you what's made you become so successful in in your words? Yeah. I, I I think you always have to be recreating yourself, I, um, having strong self awareness around how you show up, and really embracing your purpose and your reason for being. Um, I, I believe that I'm about uh, the greater good, about uh, giving back and creating a legacy uh, in the marketing and media and communication space. Like I want to be known for that we did what we had to do to create a better place for the future generations to come. And there's a lot that goes along with getting there. But the giving back piece and always showing up and volunteering and getting involved and saying yes all leads to this reasons for being. And you don't know it along the way. And, you know, I just think like you have to keep peeling back the layers <laughs> and like looking at like what makes you want to get out of bed every day. Like, I love what I do. It doesn't feel like work. I don't, I don't even know what work is anymore because we're always faced with different hurdles and challenges and unknowns. And like, whoever knew that for nine months, we would work, be working separately from home. Like, that concept is like the farthest out of the realm of even like a conversation or possibility. And the thing about what makes the mix such an, an amazing creative engine is we're grounded in collaboration and creativity. 
Like it's the power of being together. So this has been a very challenging time for us because we're not together. And it's one thing to do a Zoom with everybody on a screen, but what gets revealed when you are in a think tank and you're putting ideas up on the wall and you're looking at them together and you're ideating and brainstorming, if we took this and moved it over here, we could not only be solving for the problem now, but it, lo- it starts to look outward in a way. And like, we don't have that right now. So this constant coming back to who we are and, and taking care of each other. And I always now talk when, uh, cause I do team meetings every morning with everybody. And I'm like, always referring to the boxes. I'm like, you have to look at who's above you or below you or who's left or right of you. Right. Cause like you could see people on the screen. You could see where people are at, if they're breaking down, if they're overloaded, if they're checked out. So it's like getting to know people in a whole other level that we could have never predicted. So staying true to yourself around your core, around being there for people and purpose and being a good listener and being thoughtful and kind, like it's what gets me to be where I am right now. Right. Just being a good person. (laughs) I don't think it's that hard, right? (laughs) Doing the right thing is always the right thing. I like to say. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I wanted to ask you too, Robin, Uh, I'm sure you've interfaced with so many different clients and brands. What's, from your perspective, what's components of a successful or enticing brand in your words? Hmm. Well, we like people that are open-minded and that are willing to try new things. Like I think where brands get stuck is they do what they know. And even though there might be a little bit of an uptick or, you know, a bell curve like that goes up, the understanding of who's the audience and the means for how to communicate is everything. And it has been the mix's core DNA around how we develop communications for different audiences is that we get a deep understanding of who these people are. And, you know, it's one thing to be a part of the LGBT or the African-American, but underneath those letters are the nuances of those tribes that we have spent our entire like like our entire like runway understanding culture and what makes people see a message feel a message and want to get behind that brand and i'd say brands are at various stages, right? There's been the brands that have been like in the diversity space, like front and center. And then there are others that aren't even on the map yet. Like I'm, I'm baffled by this, like how there are still corporations that do not have a supplier diversity program where they would be working towards economic impact and working with suppliers that are bringing the nuance of diversity and culture and inclusion to their company like that. I do not comprehend that. And let me be clear. 
especially in marketing, it's one thing when you're in the commodity space, right? Like if you sell office furniture or fleet or IT services, right? Those are commodity-based things. But in marketing, like we just did um, a study of the agencies and I wanted to really look at my own agency at the heart of who we are and the numbers around the people that I employ are a reflection of who we are as what we're selling to diverse audiences. And it was a little bit of a moment for me because I'm like, oh, my God, the minute we do this, like I'm then accountable for it. And if there's any inequities there, I'm going to have to make some changes. And the truth is, is that our numbers, we scored above the average. There might be some opportunity in hiring more Hispanic, but when it comes to LGBT women, African-American, Asian, we have all that across our agency. So I'm very, I'm like grateful and proud that we've done the right thing. And it's never about, um, you know, hiring somebody because they're gay or because they're Hispanic. It's more like, I don't want to know what somebody looks like. I want to make sure that they have the qualifications to do the job and that they have the spirit and energy that we are as a culture. And then you are who you are. Like, it's how it's supposed to go. But with all the way in which people do hiring these days, you know everything about everybody before they come to the table and you don't even get to know them, right? Because you're like, you've looked at them on LinkedIn and their Instagram and you look on Google and you see the good, the bad, the ugly. And it's really not fair, right? Because you don't give people the benefit of the doubt. Like whatever the challenges or hurdles were back then doesn't inform their future. That's just the past. So you have to be open-minded around where people are going and what they want, what they have to bring to the party. So uh, the people are everything when you think about what we're talking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. One thing one thing that always um, crosses my mind is what post pandemic is going to look like. Um, but for you, Robin, you mentioned kind of the challenges with collaboration. It's hard to, um, a bit more of a challenge to collaborate with your team across the board. What, what sort of, um, what sort of challenges have you, have you seen in the last five, six months personally? Well, I'd say we're, and I just want to be transparent. We're very inefficient. Um, the good news is, is that we have um, enough work booked from like through the end of the year. And I think that there's been like those moments, you know, when, you know, from March 16th forward, <laughs> we thought we'd be back before the summer. So everybody was operating like a little bit of a Band-Aid and, we were all set up working from home and doing zoom every day. And then all of a sudden it became extended through the summer. And then we're like, wow. And we're, we're actually like doing okay. We're getting RFPs. We're responding. I wouldn't say we're winning, but we're all of them. We won some, but not all. And I, you start like after the six month mark, you started to really feel the inefficiency 
of coming out of an office and turning to a group of people and saying, hey, let's all get together. I have an important opportunity. Let's sit down and talk about this. So the six-month mark was a little bit of a, a turning point for us around our inefficiency. And then, you know, here we are not nine months in and baby's born. Yep. I have a COVID dog now. Um, <laughs> nine months. That's it. A baby. Yeah. Um, I'd say people are burnt out. Like the intensity of being on zoom. Like we, I mean, we've always been very agile and nimble and where we like thrive on the pace of the energy of the creativity and the process that goes along with it. But in this day and age, especially for those that have children, right? So now they're working like on these back to back to back zoom calls. They have their kids that they have to homeschool. And, you know, all of us are at various stages and places. So it's adapting to those kinds of things that we never really had to deal with. Um, and there's burnout and I've, I've had burnout, like a one-off person might be burnt out, but we as an agency, I mean, the level of intensity and rapid fire. And now we're six weeks out till the end of the year. I mean, this is like scary. So we're, we're really like, trying to make it to the home stretch. We close between Christmas and New Year's. So there'll be a lot of sleeping that week. I know there won't be the same kind of vacationing that people typically did with their kids and their families. But I think like a lot of us need some rest, myself included. I, I think there's something in the recharge that none of us feel that we have the freedom to do that right now because we're holding on to the unknown. And the minute you let it go, it's like a balloon that kind of just kind of dissipates. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, what happened? It 2020 just came and went and we're like, where are we? And, you know, I would, I, I honestly, we've, there's been a lot of work canceled for next year. So brands are, um, they too are going through their struggles and pain points and without like that ongoing connectivity and communication, it's really hard to stay top of mind. It's different when we called everybody in March and then in May and then for Labor Day, like reconnecting with people that we might've had opportunities scheduled and planned for that might things are getting pushed out. Now things are getting canceled. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with our performance for 2020 in spite of everything, but I am really nervous about next year. Hopefully we get some more, some better luck or better uh, uh, next year, 2021, because 2020 has been a hell of a year for sure. <laughs> all of us, right? And this is the first time, Joe, that like, it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what level you're at, we are all the same, right? And so I've never experienced that kind of feeling before right? Like people are more inclined to take calls at this, 
C-suite, CMO, CEO levels, people are, well, they'll find time to connect. And I'm finding myself like wanting to get out there more too, because people should feel not alone and that we we're here for each other. And, and somebody's got to be raising the flag saying, I'm here. If you need help, like call me, like we'll figure it out. Um, I also mentor uh, 12 girls. I have five interns right now. So there's a lot of like hands on the pulse of things around um, making sure people have what they need. So next year, you know, while everybody's like, oh, I can't wait for 2020 to be over. I'm like, if we could just stop time right now and just take a a breath, right. And like, be like, let's just take a minute here and just acknowledge what we've done and what we've accomplished. But we're also on to the next Zoom or the next this or the next that, that there's none of that. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. I think taking time to yourself and just, it's good for your mental health. Um, especially <laughs> like you, like you mentioned, this year has been super crazy for everybody. It's everybody. How everybody's just on the same level with yeah, stress and age. anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, only have a couple more questions here for you, Robin. Uh, I think, I mean, obviously you've been doing interviews and podcasts and yep. various media stuff, but I'm curious, what's maybe one question that you never get asked that you wish you would be asked? I know. I think as a, as a small business owner, we've achieved like great success. And I think having it like we're, as we're coming into our 25th year, I think it's a big deal. Right. And I could have sold this company a million times. Um, but there's something about sticking it out and you know, how we raised our kids was that we don't quit especially when the going gets tough, whether it's trying out for a sport or cheerleading or going for that college or that job or that relationship and that we were grounded in going a go for it mentality, no matter what. And I don't think that we or I take the time to acknowledge the greatness, the difference we've made and the mark that we've imprinted on so many people with our brand and our message and our ability to transcend time and space without any private equity or corporate, you know, backing or financing and that we did it as independent entrepreneurs that are minority owned and operated. Like I'm really proud of that. That's awesome. I'm really excited to meet your other CEOs and co-founders or founders of uh, titanium group. Yeah. Um, where can the, our listeners connect with you online if they have questions? Yes. On the- yes. And I'm hoping everybody like, yeah, like I'm that girl, like call me. Like if it's, you need help figuring out pathway around a career or a job, you're looking for what's next. Um, 
I probably spend about 30% of my time, which I'm not saying is a good or a bad thing, but <laughs> it's just more about my give back factor. Um, like trying to help people help themselves get to what's next. Like actually before this, I was on a call with um, an executive coach on behalf of one of my current clients. And they asked if they could set up a call because they wanted to do a character check-in. And I'm like, of course. And, you know, it wasn't hard for me. It's more about you make the time for the things you want to do. Right. So, um, it's just important that we fit it all in and we make it happen and that we always are, prioritizing or reprioritizing whatever comes your way in the moment so that it all comes to fruition and everybody gets what they need. Absolutely. I'm sure the listeners got what they needed with uh, listening to you. (laughs) You know, Robin at the mix, MYC, LinkedIn, Instagram, I'm like, I'm like that girl out there. And by the way, I am launching um, my personal brand campaign in the next two weeks. It's all grounded in, um, I went through with one of my agency partners, like a whole like look in to really create a legacy that I could start pumping out content around my message and what, what my message is and about and why it matters to everybody and anybody, whether you're 20 or 40 or 60 and, um, one of the key pieces of um, this agency, which you will ultimately meet, is they have a, a proprietary um, tool, which is called their hologram. And my hologram, it's the, grounded in four pillars, but at the heart of it is who you are. And um, my hologram, which will become my tagline, is I am all about the ROI of love. And I'm like, Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. We've taken a little bit of the sentiment of the business and we've taken a little bit of the heart and the soul and the DNA. And we brought those things together and we created a tagline. So that'll be launching in about two weeks. So you'll be on the lookout through all those channels. And um, I'm really excited about it. The ROI of love. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and now I own it and the URL and everything when I have landing pages. So people will be able to connect with me live there. And uh, I look forward to like um, your podcast and following you and putting you in my spotlight so that I'm sharing your value and your platform with others so that you get to meet more entrepreneurs and business owners and founders like me that you get to get the richness of their stories. And, you know, it goes both ways. It's not just about you finding us. It's about us finding people like you. So thank you so much for this moment and this opportunity to share what I'm up to and we're up to. And um, I look forward to you meeting my members and learning about them individually and how we came together. And uh, I'm really excited to help any of your listeners with any of what they're up to. You know where to find me. 
This episode of the CMO and Joe podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more business strategies and tactics to help you create the profitable and successful business you've always dreamed of. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.